Welcome to Yours, Mine, and Ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, and I'm a relationship coach. Well, I started out as a life coach. This show is about relationships, what's yours, what's mine, what's ours, but really it's about understanding who we are individually. When I started my practice about 15 years ago, I realized that people wanted to be happy. They wanted to be successful. Life coaches were very popular at that time. It was a very cachet thing to call yourself. Well, at that time, a life coach could be someone who does multi-level marketing on a really bad weight loss program and they just want to have a nice word on their business card. Or it could be a Buddhist monk who understands transcendental meditation and teaches you self-enlightenment. My child always called me a shrink in denial. You ask five different life coaches what they're about, you'll get five different answers. Now, over the years, I realized that relationships were something I really wanted to focus on with people, for people, because no matter what their business was, no matter what their financial situation was, no matter what their health was, relationships were always something that people came back to. <clears throat> they always wanted to have better quality relationships. And so when I decided, you know what, I really want to help people resolve conflict. I think that conflict resolution would be a great way to help them improve the quality not only of their relationships with others, but their personal self-esteem. It would also create greater success in their life. But then I understood that a lot of people didn't really know personality-wise the exact same sentence from five different people could mean five very different things. And if we all have a different personality, a unique and distinct personality that we were born with, it would be good to know. It would be helpful to understand who we're speaking to. That would eliminate a large part of the conflict. And it would definitely equip us to more effectively resolve that conflict. So, Doug, I'm going to ask you today to be a part of my show, just kind of as a conversational quality that we're going to have together with each other. You're comfortable talking to me about just about anything off the air. How about today on the air with me? I'm right there with you. I feel good. Okay, good. So as a guy, I know that you can speak for the general male population. And as an American, most of our, our listeners right now do relate to that kind of mentality. It's a mentality. So what I decided just for fun this week, for guys out there, Americans, and for the, the women listening all around the world, because I know we're in a whole lot of different countries, it's going to be important to understand that the things people say and do are different yeah, because based on their personality, based on their culture, but these are very common things that, quite frankly, I don't agree with the American mental health industry, and especially the pharmaceutical industry, because as a young girl, I was taken to therapists and counselors and psychiatrists, and basically they sent me back to my mom saying, yeah, no, she's not really fixable. She's just weird. Or we can't figure her out at all. There's something more. Maybe you need to take her to a, a neurologist or some kind of alternative therapist. But these are some things that people hear in relationships that kind of make them go, oh my gosh, maybe there's a problem here. 
Well, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a list of sentences to you, but with each of those sentences, I'm going to give you what the personality type of the person making that statement is and what it means when they say it, right? The translation, the direct translation. But then you can choose the one of those personalities responses to that that you want me to explain or the the translation that you think is the most interesting because the same sentence can mean four different things from four different people. Which one of those four different people's mindsets are you most curious to know about? Because obviously I only have an hour here. I can only go on for a certain period of time. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So Doug, have you ever heard someone say, I don't deserve this? Have you ever heard someone say that? Lots. Okay. So I'm going to give you four different personalities and what they are probably saying with those words. Okay. If an INFP says, I don't deserve this, what they're probably saying is, wow, I'm so grateful for what I have in my life right now. An ISTJ is saying, I don't deserve this. You didn't do what you told me you were going to do, and I deserve better. An ENTJ is saying, wow, I did the math, and this is actually more than what I pre-calculated. There's something more here. I wonder how much is more here. And an ESFP is saying, I don't deserve this. They're saying, I'm having all kinds of fun that I wasn't ready for, and I'm going to enjoy every single minute of it. Which one of those four personalities would you find the most interesting? The most interesting or the most confusing? Okay, good, good, perfect, thank you. Yes, confusing, let's do confusing. Number two. Okay, that, that would be the ISTJ saying, I don't deserve this. An ISTJ actually does know exactly what everyone is supposed to be doing at all times. And an ISTJ is very, very good about always doing exactly what should be done at all times. And so they know that if they have the ability to do things that are expected and that are accepted standards and that they endorse and they agree with, if they ever get to the point where they say, I don't deserve this, they're saying two things. First of all, I deserve better than this. And the second one is, I know for a fact (laughs) that I deserve better than this, because I have always done better than this in this situation. And I have this standard. Have you have you had the personal experience of someone saying to you, I don't deserve this? In that in the in the in the different tonality in the beginning, I thought it was I don't deserve this because I felt like there was a sense of oh, it's overwhelming too much. You're you're being too generous. And then there's a sense of I'm a, now you're putting it where the, where the person would feel I don't deserve this kind of like there in the you sense go. Of you're uh, really uh, below beneath me. So now I understand where you're actually taking those words and you're giving even an, an emotional tone to it. Now I've got to see. Uh, but I get it. Okay. So then let me ask you this. How much of what people actually communicate with each other do you think is about their tone of voice 
the feeling behind the words that when they're texting or when they're emailing is lost. How much do you think that has to do with miscommunications and misunderstandings? Oh, well, you just gave four very good examples in one <laughs> sentence. Okay. So there's probably a, you know, a great deal of dynamics going on with every sentence that we aren't aware of. Uh, right. It's just, you know, true. Okay, so one of my clients actually recently said to me, you know what, we just need to have an entire session about this argument that one of my best friends of 35 years and I had about the, the president, about politics. I think we've talked about politics maybe four times in the last 35 years. And he almost said he wanted to stop being my friend because of it. And I said, okay, well, <laughs> let's just say, first of all, that when we're arguing about politics, you never, you need to never, ever do it with technology because, first of all, you can have so many misunderstandings when you don't really know the intonation and the inflection of the statement being made. What if someone's saying it as a joke? Well, you know what? Political jokes can be pretty intense, can't they? And if you don't have the tone of voice and the facial expression, and the eye contact, how much can be misunderstood? A lot. Have you ever had a, a conversation with someone with text messaging or instant messaging or WhatsApp, whatever these different applications are, where you thought, hmm, I wonder if I misunderstood that, and you just kept going? Doug? Uh, mm, only when I was in school. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Okay. Because the truth is, if you're having a mature conversation, you really need to get rid of the technology. You need to have the human interaction and the, the dialogue, which is the conversation. You can't really have that with technology. Okay. So now this is, this is actually going to be my, the second one that I ask for your help for help with Doug. Um, if you heard someone say, we need to take a break. I'll give you four different personalities, what they mean when they say we need to take a break. An INFJ means we really need to rethink our relationship. An ENTP means I think I need a five-minute timeout just to regroup. An ESFP means we got to go get some coffee together and have a good time. An ESTJ means we really just need to stop what we're doing for the whole day and restart tomorrow. Which one of those do you think you'd like me to explain more about, Doug? Three. The We need to take a break. We need to go out and get some coffee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. An ESFP is the kind of person that really does enjoy pleasure. They enjoy stimulation. And when they are being involved in actively involved in something that has got them to the point where they're saying we need to take a break what that actually means is I'm exhausted and I've really really done everything that I can with my body and my mind and my heart to get what's going on in this situation to be the best that it can be a break for an ESFP is the opportunity to recharge and reboot and have a very pleasurable, stimulating experience in order to go back to what 
he or she was doing before they took the break and be at 100% quality again when they restart. That's actually pretty cool. I like yeah. the SFG. <laughs> okay. So um, what I want to do is is uh, let my listeners know that the phone number, if they want to call in, because as you and I keep going through this, we're going to be doing this through the whole hour. If they have questions that they want to ask or um, experiences that they want to share, maybe get more details about, um, the number is 888 um, <laughs> Shoot, I'm thinking six, my two, seven, six, two, seven, six, six zero, 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 eight. Eight. Okay, yes. My husband just changed his number. Okay, so, um, and then the shout box. It's very important for me to be able to get comfortable with going on the website and back onto the air and then getting onto the site to check the shout box. The page is um, www.bbsradio.com slash yours, mine, and ours. And the shout box is at the top left corner of the page. I'm going to be checking that. And Doug, if you could just keep your eye on that too and let me know if there's something that I've missed. I do want to respond to the listeners if they text something in, if they ask a question that I didn't catch at first glance. Okay, could you do that for me? Sure, I could. I think I might have changed a bit of code on that, so only people that logged into BBS Radio may use it. Because I was, okay. you know, I, and I did that intentionally because I just saw a lot of things that were occurring that I wasn't quite yes. sure about. Yes, thank you, by the way, because you know what? The internet's getting all kinds of crazy now. So, um, okay, so then does that mean that uh, the listeners need to actually log on? Oh, they just have to put in a name and an email address to give an account, and then they can do it whenever they want. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, so what I'm going to do is it's just about a quarter after the hour. I'm going to go ahead and take the first commercial break, and when we come back, I'll see if anyone has has um, called or posted any of the, the questions or comments so far in that particular area on the page. And if not, then we're going to go to our next statement. This is actually one of my favorites. That's why I'm going to do it right when we come back from the break. This is Gabrielle Cardona, yours, mine, and ours. Wouldn't it be great if there was an instruction manual on how to succeed in life? Or the formula on how to find someone who's right for you? Or the ingredients on how to just be happy with your life? Well, I decided after I'd been coaching for a few years that it was time to just put it all on paper. The things that I was doing with and for my clients that helped them was great. Each session I could see the fulfillment that my clients were experiencing. It became a coaching program. I made it a workbook that came with my service. But coaching one person at a time was pretty slow and not everyone could afford my hourly rate. So at least giving everyone access to the information was a good idea, right? And I didn't need to be with someone in order to provide them the information, did I? So just one project per chapter, these activities helped people implement what they'd just learned. And I'd had several people suggest that I turn it into an audiobook. Apparently people wanted to listen to the information while they were multitasking. So I did. And now most people just want the MP3. But with the coronavirus taking over the world, a lot of people are thinking about changing their life but they don't want a coach. So I'm offering my workbook to my listeners as an ebook with the MP3 included for just $29.99. That's an 80% discount off the original price, what I started selling it for two years ago to clients and colleagues. 
just go to www.infinitylifecoaching.com and get your life coaching workbook for just $29.99 today. Infinity Coaching. The possibilities are infinite. Welcome back to Yours, Mine, and Ours. I'm Gabrielle Cardona, and the, t- the show today is going to be about how to interpret what people say and what people do. You know what? Sometimes people say and do very strange things, and we think, oh my gosh, this is horrible. What should I do? What's the problem? How do I deal with this? Well, you know what? It all comes back down to interpreting people, interpreting their behavior, what they say and what they do. And again, it wasn't until I was in fourth grade when I had my personality profile given to me that all of the the therapists and the counselors and the specialists that my mother took me to, they couldn't figure me out. Well, you know why? Because I'm only 2% of the human population. And so when you interpret all of those things that I was saying and doing and being around my mother that scared the life out of her in the context of INTP, wow, you know what? She's actually pretty cool. She's actually pretty great. Now, Doug, the next thing that I want to tell you is what I always refer to when I'm giving a a client some advice. I've even brought it up a couple of times on my show. One of the best things that your child can say, walking up to you just out of the blue, where are the matches? Oh my gosh, I, I asked parents, what would you say if your kid just came up to you and asked you, can I play with the matches? Well, they'd say, of course not. <laughs> no. I say, well, you know, it really depends on their personality. I'll give you four different personalities and what they mean when they say, where are the matches? Okay. An INTP, if they said, where are the matches? It means I didn't put them back where I was supposed to when daddy told me to. <laughs> An ESFJ is saying, I'm giving you a heads up. I'm about ready to burn the house down. And if we all die, it's going to be your fault. And ISTP is saying, I have something really cool I found. I want to burn it. I want to see how many different colors it's going to change. And ENFP is saying, please don't let me play with the matches. Please don't let me play with the matches. My friend wants me to, and I just don't have the strength to tell her no. Please say no for me. (laughs) Okay. Which one of those four personalities would you like to more? Know more about Doug. Uh, that was a tough one. Uh, okay. Number two, maybe. Okay. Burn down that the was house. the e- yeah, burning down the house. Okay, so an ESFJ is extremely, even as a young child, is extremely aware of everything that they are supposed to do. They're even the kind of kids who parent their parents. They supervise their parents and they make sure that everything that should be going on in their home is going on. And an ESFJ could even step up to the plate and say, you know what, if my parents aren't going to do it, then I'm going to go ahead and do it. For example, if they had a younger brother or a younger sister, They would be making sure that mom and dad are taking good care of their baby brother and sister. So if they said to their their parent, where are the matches? They're basically saying, you know what? I'm going to do something that is so extreme and so severe. And I'm telling you right now that I'm ready to do something very extreme in our situation with our home. And if you 
don't do what you are supposed to do and you leave me no choice <laughs> but to burn down the house, it's going to be entirely your fault. Now, in in the situation where, like my oldest, he's an ESFJ, if he were to ever say that to me, I would literally stop what I'm doing in that moment, put everything down, sit down with him and say, okay, I understand you're upset. I have no idea why you're upset, but this isn't about the matches. Let's talk. And you know what? You have my undivided attention. So anything that you say to me now about what I'm not doing right, in your opinion, as your mother, I'm going to hear it and I'm going to accept it. And when we're done, I understand that as a feeler, <laughs> you really need me to give you a hug and a kiss. And you need to, to trust that the feeling that I'm feeling when I give you a hug and a kiss is 100% pure. That is a very big deal for an ESFJ, especially as a young child, because their extroverted feeling, which I'm going to explain next week, a lot of my connections on LinkedIn know that I'm going to explain all the details of those different levels. For an ESFJ, their feeling is so refined that they can actually determine and discern the feelings that are going on inside of other people. So that's why it's very, very good to appreciate that quality about them, but also understand that if they ever said or did something that was extreme, it would be a huge red flag. Whereas for someone else, like the ISTP, it would just be, okay, go ahead and give them five minutes to burn something and get it out of their system. Okay, so now here's one that I, I actually kind of, I saved towards the end for you, Doug, because... <laughs> I just knew you would enjoy this one. How about this? If you ever heard a woman say, why are we still together? What would that mean? Well, have you ever heard a woman say that, Doug? <laughs> why are we still together? Uh, a lot of times, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, when we think about that, it could mean several different things. I, I picked four random personalities. Again, I literally drew them out of the hat this morning. Okay. The ESTP saying, why are we still together, means um, shouldn't we be doing our jobs now because we're, we're kind of delaying doing what we're supposed to do, okay? And ISTJ is saying, okay, we really do need to think about whether we should break up. And INTJ is saying, I think we need to take an inventory because I've kind of lost touch with my relationship with you. And an ENFJ would be saying, I don't know if I love you anymore. I genuinely don't think I have love for you anymore. So of those four, which one would you like to more know more about, Doug? <sighs> Actually, when a woman, woman starts saying those words, or even I start saying those words, my ears tune out. It's almost like uh, the the flight the f run and you know that mechanism just yes. goes right into high gear <laughs> okay. yeah. so uh, yeah at that point and literally if i if i heard those words i guess i'd shut off so quickly it's just wouldn't matter so i wouldn't okay. really respond to it the only time that's ever comes out was when i say it and it's to my own head when i'm you know saying it to the other people that might be in my life Okay, so when you were to say something like, why are we still together, what would it mean for you? Why would, why would you say something like that to a woman? Because it's the energy out isn't, you know, worth the energy in. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So so that means the actual relationship then just isn't worth the the currency almost, whether that's emotional or um, mental or physical. It could be any kind of the investment. You're just not getting a good ROI. Right. Um, okay. So now when I'll use, let's say, the, the ENFJ, if they were to say, why are we still together? It would be because they're actually posing a rhetorical question of what am I doing here? For an ENFJ, it wouldn't have anything to do with the other person. It would actually be an indication that they're becoming introspective and they're starting to question their own ability to deal with the situation or perhaps their attraction to the person that they're with. They don't like to go through the motions in life and they don't like to waste time. They want everything that they are and that they do to be meaningful. Even if there's nothing wrong with the other person, they would have a, a natural inclination to become introspective and say, why am I still with the person that I'm with? And it would always be in the context of relative to what I am personally doing. They do not really look at the other person. Sometimes if they do That's feel terrible. the need. <laughs> you're right. It's, you know what? And it almost is. It's almost to a fault. My best friend, just like my daughter, is an ENFJ. And he really, really, really has a hard time being critical of other people. So does my daughter. When they're being... Um, profound in relationships they are extremely generous and that's a wonderful quality there's absolutely nothing wrong with being generous wanting to always give more to the other person but what that also means is they have a very compromised objectivity about seeing the faults of other people and sometimes they put up with more fault than they should or sometimes they um take more um mistreatment i won't use the a word the just mistreatment from people because it's about what's really going on right now with my soul and how high quality am i in this relationship and actually I, I yeah yes yes enfjs are very heavy people and i do want to just let my listeners know that next week enfj is going to be one of the profile personalities that i focus on just because they are fascinating to me. They are so amazing as people because they have a sensitivity to others in a context of, and how is this going to affect the birds in the woods in the other country? <laughs> they are like really, really misunderstood people, especially men, male <laughs> ENFJs. Okay. Fascinating. And then the last thing I want to say, the last sentence is, um, <laughs> my kid literally just said it as as walking by the the bedroom. There were a bunch of tables that had fallen over. Uh, they were just lying there in the middle of the the hallway, and and he said, "I don't know what transpired here," and walked right by. Okay, so I don't know what transpired here. If an ISFJ said it, that would mean. Someone wasn't doing what they were supposed to do, and they better take care of it before I have to do something about it. An ENTP is probably thinking, hmm, 
I don't know how these things got on the floor, but I wonder what physical principles, the laws of gravity happened and, and they're contemplating exactly how they fell over. And ISFP was thinking, oh, I bet someone just slipped uh, something by without, without paying attention and they all fell over and they just kept on running. And ENFJ would be, I'm going to say something very pretentious just to make a scene. And yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll pick it up. <laughs> just, but I, I don't know what transpired here. That's just a whole lot of hot air to them. So would any one of those be interesting for you to know more about, Doug? The last one. Okay. This is really fun. When we're talking about just the way we say things, sometimes just blowing smoke. We all know that we don't really care about what we're talking about, but it's it looks important when we say important things. An ENFJ would actually be thinking, why can't the people here Whoever, whoever caused this situation to happen, just pick up their own mess. Why do I always have to pick up everybody's mess? You know what? I really don't appreciate being taken advantage of in this way because obviously the people who are here know that they don't have to do it because it's going to bother me so much that I'll end up doing it. And they know that I'll never complain about it and I'll never go around harassing people. Did you do this? Did you do that? The way, you know, an ENTP or an ISTP would. So, but in order for them to not feel taken advantage of and mistreated as a person, if they were to say something like, I don't know what transpired here, that's giving them a sense of entertainment and sort of an opportunity to decompress from their resentment and their frustration in having to deal with a situation that's not only not their fault, but it's not even really their responsibility. Okay, so now those are things that people can say. Okay, now when it comes to things that people can do, I actually <laughs> I talked to my husband about this one. The first one that I came up with last night, I said, you know what? Think about this. If this personality and this personality were doing it, because we happen to know one of the people who are like this when I gave this example. And he said, oh, my gosh, you're right. I never thought about that. And I could just see the wheels in his head spinning the, the thoughts processing. And even this morning, he, he talked to me about it again. This is cool. Okay, so, Doug, let me ask you the, the, this question. If you lived with a roommate and you didn't really communicate with them in a casual conversation a lot. You're, you just had pretty much your own different lives. And every once in a while, you'd maybe go out to dinner. You each paid your bills and you just, you were buds, but you weren't really best friends. How about if from the, the time that you left to the time that you went to bed, your roommate cooked the same meal four times? Hmm. What would you think? If you didn't know their personality, what would you think that they were <laughs> doing? What would I think? Yeah. I would immediately think they were in love with me. They, if it was a guy, he might be gay, and I overlooked it. Okay. <laughs> Cooking the same meal four times. I love that you said that because <laughs> what, I, what I said um, as one of the personalities is an ENTJ 
if they cook the same meal four times in one day, it would mean that they're going um, OCD and they probably need to be hospitalized because they're having some kind of massive panic attack. Okay, an ISFP is probably cooking dinner for the love of their life that they're going to propose marriage to, which I love the fact that you thought it was you, but okay, I would say maybe for the woman that they're dating, okay, an ISFJ would be trying to um, master whatever it is, the meal for their culinary class that week, and if they made one mistake, they would start from the beginning all over again. An ENFP is probably serving down at the food bank and wants to make sure it's all completely and totally organic <laughs> from their own hands, from their own home. So yeah, you know what? It could be because they're doing it out of love. It could be because they have become completely obsessed and obsessive and fixated and completely mentally unstable. It could be because, well, you know what? They just want to make sure they get it right. Or it could mean they're being generous with a, a bunch of people. They just want to do it in the most um, domestic possible way. The exact same thing that could mean someone needs genuine intervention from a professional could, you know, be totally fine for someone else. And that's why it's really important to appreciate, again, I'll say this again, that the pharmaceutical industry is very, very, um, it's, it's a crutch. We'll say that it's very relied on by a lot of people in this country because it's a quick fix to something that's, you know, just an irritation more than an actual issue. Is it a problem? Well, maybe, but you know what? How often do you spend time in a doctor's office or in a counselor's office and they pull out a pad just based on one or two things that you've described? Maybe your symptoms or your thoughts or your feelings. Well, you know what? It's not necessarily something that needs medication or something that needs intervention. Maybe, you know what? Maybe it does, but maybe it needs hospitalization because you're right on the edge, the, the verge of something even worse than that. Now, keeping that in mind, okay, another example of a behavior that kind of might make you go, hmm, that's interesting, going for a five-mile walk alone without any notice, just getting up and leaving to go for a five-mile walk without saying anything to anybody and turning around and coming back as if nothing had ever happened. Okay, well... If an ENFJ was going for a five-mile walk alone, just without telling anybody about it, it would mean they have a lot of really important life choices that they need to make, and they're just about ready to make them. An ESFP would be having a very hard time with the loss of a friend or family member who recently died, and they needed to grieve in private. An ISTP would be wanting to really study the environment around him, the place where he lives, to become more familiar with the businesses and the landmark buildings so that if he ever did need to go somewhere, he would be totally and completely prepared to, to get exactly where he needed to be in the best possible way. And an INTJ 
would be thinking about how much she's going to have to pay for that particular investment because the other return on this one is because of the taxes. But when you take it, and he'd be doing math literally for an hour and a half to two hours <laughs> silently in his head. Now, if Doug, do you ever actually go for walks? Do you like to go for long walks personally? No. Why not? The area that uh, we reside in isn't good for that here. In kind of like San Francisco, really up and down, and roads, major roads are too close. Okay. Yeah. But okay. I do like, you know, I, I loved gardening, and it was the same thing, you know. I So I just don't See? do it anymore where I'm at now. But that was my kind of, you know, I. If I really it didn't matter the circumstance, I mean, if I was blue or if I was happy, or I'd always go out there and do that. So, I, if a person was taking a walk in the consideration that you've laid out, uh, I'd think you know, five mile walk in my case, something's wrong, right? See, like, I'd never go on a walk. Right, <laughs> right. Somebody well, died. <laughs> okay, thank you. And you're and I'm pretty sure you're an SP, which is what I was was mentioning the second person, they would they would only do that if there was something really, really wrong. And it was a it was a very bad sign. Like, if if someone who really isn't inclined towards that sort of activity was doing that activity for a period of time, you know, some people would think an hour, some people would think two hours. Well, you know what, depending on how slow you walk, it could be two and a half hours. That's, that's a huge red flag. Well, you know what, but you're talking about gardening. It's something that is very, very stimulating. Walking is not stimulating unless you are putting forth an effort to get that that experience. And again, like you said, depending on if it's a good area, if it's a bad area, there's certain activity that could be going on social activity, um, just cars and lots of sounds in the city. Well, as opposed to in the mountains, it's a little bit of a different experience. But walking can be a very solitary experience, even within a group of people. And so if you're talking about something like gardening, that's with the use of your your hands and your eyes and, you know, moving your body in a lot of different positions. And you can even smell things as you're working with them and working around them. So it is very stimulating. And that could be very satisfying to someone who is sensory. When you're thinking about what you're doing, it can be a very good thing for an NT like me, I do actually need to walk at least three sometimes up to five miles a day, that could be me going across the street literally to the store eight times <laughs> because I just have to get out. I have to be completely alone in order to think about something that's going on in my home. I cannot be in my home when I'm thinking about what's going on in my home. And so that's going to be, again, <laughs> keeping that, that concept in mind, the next one, and this is this is great for parents, okay, on my list is playing a video game for eight straight hours. Let's just say it, all Americans do that, okay? Starting in the 80s, video games became an actual pandemic, <laughs> okay? Maybe just an American epidemic, yes. If we're talking about a problem, 
it was supposed to be something for fun, it actually became an addiction for a lot of people. But, Doug, how much do you like to play video games? Oh, I absolutely love it once a decade if that right game comes out <laughs> and I'll play it into the dirt for a month. I won't yes. do anything else, but then I'll put it away for 10 years or there two years you go. or okay, five good. years. Or, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'll give four personalities. If an ISTJ was playing a video game for eight hours, it would be because there is literally someone playing it with them that they have to beat and they are not going to be able to put the remote control down until they have one whoever it is they are playing with and it could be someone literally on the other end of the world that they're never going to meet ever in a million years it doesn't matter they still have to win okay an entp <laughs> could be playing a video game for eight hours because they're actually thinking about what in the world is going on with their mother and they can only think about it while they can check out and this video game is so easy for them to play that they can literally play it on autopilot while they're thinking about something else <laughs> an infp would be playing the video game for eight hours probably because someone just broke up with them and they're trying to drown their feelings by distracting their eyes an ESTP is just playing all by themselves to have as much fun as they possibly can in that moment. They really, really, really want to play it into the ground and then they'll probably put it away. Well, no, they'll leave it here within arm's reach <laughs> because at some point they're going to want that stimulation. So I don't know that you're necessarily an ESTP. Now, obviously, there are differences in people. Different people are going to. You what? I do it to think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like my husband, that's what he does. In fact, there are times when I look at him sitting there and playing the exact same thing over and periodically I'll just say, honey, do you want something to drink? <laughs> do you want something to eat? And I know that when he's done playing with that game, he'll be, hmm, I just realized something, honey. I, I think I think I was thinking about something really important and when i look at your face i can't think about it in the same way you know it's almost like pete in some level there's two things that are going on one it is a reflection and the second is just a, for, a kind of a piece because the repetition yeah. of something you know even though it seems complicated but the re it's just you can put your world elsewhere and yeah uh, so yeah that's kind that can be a really strong addition to you know i, I like to play yes uh, uh, spades or hearts or any sort of a game. It's just very simple, but I'll do it over and over and over again just so I can just zoom out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's and that's the other thing too is that just I think the American lifestyle doesn't really afford us that opportunity to relax and do things that really shouldn't require so much effort and focus and work. It, it, there really should be things in life that we enjoy, right? That we are able to relax and enjoy. Even if they're stimulating, they can still be very relaxing to us. I almost think that people have undermined their own their own happiness by trying to make things easier and easier and easier and easier with things like technology or handheld devices or machines that that do the work for the the person. But then at the end of the day, they're just 
they're not fulfilled in the same way or they're overly stimulated in some way. And so in order to restore themselves back to, yeah, I'm, I'm happy again, I'm at peace again, they have to check out. And that's really unfortunate when people don't really know everything that they're doing in their day, what's good for them and their personality in what proportion, it's harder for them to be able to say, this is exactly what I need to the people in their life and have the people in their life say, all right, then we'll give you exactly what you need so you can have have everything taken care of and then come right back to being 100% with us. Okay, so when we come back from the break, we're going to take one more real quick break. When we come back, I'm going to summarize a few things and let my listeners know what the show is going to be about next week because it's going to get into a whole lot more detail. I just scratched the surface this week. Um, if Again, if anybody has any comments i haven't seen in the the box here let me refresh bbsradio.com slash yours mine and ours okay and the number is 888-627-6008 one more quick break and we'll be right back i'm your host gabrielle cardona this is yours mine and ours Think you know yourself? Have you ever had your personality profiled? What's your MBTI? The Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is a very popular personality profile system, and it's accepted around the world, used by many accredited and professional companies and institutions. But the problem, what if you're both of the options that you're being offered in the question? Or what if you've changed over the years? Or what if you're just not sure? Does it even really matter? Well, when you want to know the difference between a mental illness and just a strange behavior, then knowing your personality can be very helpful. It will help you to know if you do need a mental health professional or pharmaceutical intervention. When you take a personality profile test, you need to ask yourself, not if you do that activity being described or asked, but the three things about yourself while you're doing it. Number one, is it naturally so easy for you to do it that it's automatic for you? Number two, is it so naturally enjoyable for you to do that you do it for seemingly no reason? And number three, are you so naturally good at it that you don't even need to practice in order to do it well? Those are the indications of your nature, your personality, not your nurture, that have made you good at doing those things. During these challenging times, while a lot of people are considering a career change, I'm offering an 80% discount on my MBTI package. That includes six things. Number one, the MBTI test with over 200 questions. Number two, your four-letter personality description. Number three, an explanation of your disposition. Number four, a detailed breakdown of your functional order. Number five, tips and suggestions on how to be more successful in life based on your true nature. And six, a one-hour coaching session to answer any and all of your personality questions. This package usually costs $500, but for the rest of the year, it's only $99 to my listeners. Take advantage of the opportunity to learn more about your true nature. Just go to www.infinitylifecoaching.com services 
and you'll see the sale going on now. The $99 price will go on through to the end of 2020. Discover your true nature today. Welcome back to Yours, Mine, and Ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, and today we've been talking about how the exact same words from five different people, four different people can mean very, very different things, or the exact same actions displayed, the behaviors displayed by four different personalities can mean four different things. They can contain four different messages. I saved the last one because it's actually a very big one now in this time of um, the coronavirus. A lot of people are very isolated and we're even isolating ourselves from each other in relationships. It's really hard to have ours when we're not allowed to be together. What's yours is important. What's mine is important. But what we bring together is what becomes ours. That's what we share. And a lot of people are getting very frustrated at the social isolation. So one very, very important behavior that could be a red flag is staying locked in your bedroom for two days, literally only coming out to eat and go to the bathroom. If a person were to be uh, enclosed, uh, locked in a room for for 48 hours, that could mean several different things. And I pulled four random personalities out of the hat. Okay, if an ENTJ was locked in their bedroom for two days, they're probably looking at the wall, getting very, very stressed out, wondering when they're going to be able to be with their friends. If an ISTJ was in their bedroom for two days, they would probably be doing research on the computer on their cellular phone, completely losing track of time, but not too upset about it. If an ISFP was locked in their bedroom for two days, they would probably be very depressed. They would be slipping into an emotional depression and they would need to be, you know, taken out of their room very, very soon. An ENFP locked in their bedroom for two days might have actually crawled out the window and crawled back in and out and in a couple of times without you even knowing <laughs> because they were there's no way they're staying in their bedroom for two days they're just hoping you believe that they are when you have something that you're doing that's not necessarily by definition by any definition a healthy behavior it's not uh, an encouraged activity there are a lot of different ways that you can respond to it it's very important to know how to communicate with people. It's very important to know how to interpret the things that they're doing. And it's very important in communication to know how to speak as well as to listen. Different people have different ideas about even the exact same words. So what I'm going to be talking about next week is the specific functionality of the different personalities and what I'm going to have on my my page before the show of next week is a little bit more of the breakdown so anybody who's listening this week um, even to the live um, airing of this this show or the archive right the recording of it they're going to be listening to it again after the show 
it's going to be important to have in mind the different dichotomies of the Myers-Briggs type indicator personality profile system, as well as the um, different dispositions, because the truth is everybody in life does everything. We all have to learn how to do everything. It's not a question of every single personality only doing things true to form of their personality. That's not true. Everybody has to do everything in life. The key is knowing what for a personality type is so easy. It's like breathing and enjoyable like eating or, you know, kind of boring like walking or what's really, really hard like running. Every single activity that we perform throughout the day falls under the the umbrella of a dominant an auxiliary, a tertiary, or an inferior function. How hard is it for you to do? How enjoyable is it for you? How rewarding is it for you? Those are the questions you need to ask yourself to really learn your true nature. Just because your personality may seem to have changed over time because your behavior changed, the things that you're doing have changed. That doesn't mean your true nature has changed. It just means that you've maybe mastered some new skills or you've appreciated the value of certain activities. You've become more proficient in actually performing those activities and it's been rewarding for you. So you're willing to do things that you weren't necessarily willing to do before. Keep in mind that in relationships, it's very important to know and understand yourself first. Really being able to be honest with yourself in who you are naturally will give you the ability to see other people more honestly and hear them when they're being honest with you. Receive what they're giving you very generously and very honestly. And then in the event that there is conflict, which inevitably that will happen in all relationships, you will have the ability to work through the differences and appreciate the work that you're both doing together. What's yours? What's mine? What's ours? That is something both people determine, separate and together. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. I'm Gabrielle Cardona. This is yours, mine, and ours.